and welcome back to the extras. My name is Sam. Hello, I'm Gary. And it's great to be with the the right reverend or soon to be right reverend Gary Koo. Is this correct? Uh, that's correct. It's uh Bit unusual, isn't it? It is. So if you if you miss if you don't know what we're talking about here, uh, big news coming out of um, Anglican circles last night that Gary has been um, selected, elected, ooh, what about something that? like that, something <laughs> like that, chosen, uh, predestined, predestined <laughs> to become the next uh, bishop of uh, Western Sydney in the Anglican. Congratulations, mate. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. It's very exciting. How are you feeling about all this? I frankly, it's a bit weird. Uh, it's nothing. I was ever expecting or looking for and yeah look I love being part of St Paul's mm. I just thought I'd be here a bit longer it's uh, as I always tell people it's a great church and it's a great privilege to be the senior minister at St Paul's so yeah this is all a bit unexpected mm. so so becoming the bishop means you're, you're going to be leaving no longer be the senior minister here at St Paul's yeah I'm not going to be the senior minister here at St mm. Paul's when does all this happen well they've got a service uh, what's called a consecration service on the 20th of December coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll continue my role here as senior minister till the 1st of Feb. Okay. Yeah, okay. And then we'll be we'll be flying blind. I mean, we'll be, we'll be carrying on in... in uh... God will continue <laughs> to bless St. Paul's as he has for over 150 that's years. Right. That's right. That's it. No, no, that's, that's good. Well, congratulations. Thank mate. you that's very much. Thrill. It's a great thing for the, for the diocese. It's a great thing for the churches of Western Sydney to have you leading well, in that regard. I hope so. I yeah. hope so. What do you do um, as a bishop? Um, how, do you, how do you serve and help the gospel as a bishop? Yeah, there's kind of two roles associated with being a bishop. Firstly, I help the archbishop where the other bishops do his job in terms of, you know, being the front man for the church in terms of thinking about how we as a, uh, as an organisation can help the gospel go out mm-hmm. uh, throughout the Sydney diocese. And my second role is actually to have special responsibility for the uh, 59 or so churches in the Western regions and to help them, mm-hmm. uh, as I can, to preach the gospel and make disciples, mm-hmm. you know, so to kind of do what we're doing here at St Paul's and right across the board. Mm. And so you'll be our bishop because we are part of yep. the Western region. So, so you know, so we'll still have a, a relationship with you as you'll be our bishop. Well, I hope to be around. Yeah, and look, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll wheel out a red chair. That's, that's what they used to do for bishops, get a red chair out for them. I expect right? a special chair, yeah. I'll that's right. the red, red chair out in the front row for you anytime you come back to yeah. do confirmation or something for us yeah. Yeah, in the future. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is very exciting. Now, uh, we're not so much here to talk bishops, although no. we, could, we could do that all day. We're here to do questions out of um, Matthew's Gospel, because uh, you've been preaching for us over the weekend. Yes. Church. Um, just in, in case we missed it uh, over the weekend, um, what, what was Sunday all about? Where were we in God's Word, and what were we looking at? Uh, it really all started with the fact that, you know, why does Jesus do what he does? It's out of compassion. He sees the crowds around him, and he, and he sees they're harassed and helpless like, uh, sheep without a shepherd, Jesus feels deeply for them. Mm. And that's why he uh, proclaims the kingdom to them and ministers to them. Eventually we'll see the fulfillment of that when he goes to the cross. But that's that he feels compassion for them. Uh, but then Matthew goes on, well, actually, how, how does this uh, mission of Jesus, how does compassion show itself to many people? Uh, the disciples are encouraged to pray mm-hmm. because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. They're encouraged, well, actually, Jesus summons them to be the answer to their prayers. He sends them out because we need people to proclaim the message of the kingdom. And uh, what we see is that they go out not in their own strength or power, but in the power of Jesus. And we see that for ourselves uh, in the Great Commission. Mm, Okay. Yeah, excellent. Um, Now, we've got a bunch of questions that have been um, sent in over the weekend uh, that we want to try and tackle together um, today. 
so yeah, let, let's dive in and we'll see how we go. So you mentioned um, it was all about the harvest field and, and yep. that, that's, that's such a great verse, isn't it? That the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And, and one of the application points you had was um, about our willingness and, and did we have a heart like Jesus, full of compassion? Yep. Um, someone's sent in a question, which I think is a helpful one, to say, what do I, how would I know what it would look like to be a willing worker in the harvest field? Thank you for that question. I mean, there's different ways to approach that. What would it look like? One of the great things about being part of a church is that we actually get to see examples of what this looks like in our brothers and sisters in Christ. So part of learning what it looks like is actually seeing other people as they serve in the harvest field. Mm-hmm. So that's one way to answer it. Uh, the second way to answer it, what would it look like to be a willing worker? Again, it comes down to not just doing the work, but looking at our hearts and seeing whether our hearts line up with Jesus in terms of the way we see those around us with compassion, seeing those around us as lost without the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, now, w- one of the things that people struggle with, though, I think, is that sometimes they just don't feel it, right? They just don't mm. feel that they're in the right place to serve. And can I just say, I think we all go through that. Mm-hmm. We all go through that. So it really is a matter of perspective. I mean, having that big picture, seeing what is life about? Life is ultimately all about Jesus. It's all about people being in relationship with Jesus. It's all about uh, his glory and him, and the glory of the Father and actually saying, actually, am I part of that? Am I lined up with that? Mm-hmm. And am I, am I serving that? Mm-hmm. So it's having that big picture, uh, moving beyond just how we feel in the moment to say, is is what I'm doing lined up with what life mm. is actually all about? Yeah, that's a helpful point too, isn't it? Because it's, it, it's not the case that we're always just on a high, feeling great, positive no. about everything, can't wait. And sometimes you're in that space and you're like, I can't wait to go and serve. Yep. Uh, and that's that's wonderful and praise God if that's where you're at at the moment. Um, but other times you, you do feel the cost of serving, don't you? And, yep. there's, there's, um, and, if, and Jesus himself felt that, you know, obviously he fell yep. to the cross. Um, yep. He was willing to go to the cross, but he, he prayed even that he, that he wouldn't have to uh, because he knew the, the cost and the pain of what he was going to have to do. Um, and yet he, he was willing in the sense that he, he wanted to, like you said, he had the big picture of what God was doing in the world and he was um, willing to take yeah. his role and play his part in it. Not my will, but yours. Yeah, yep. that's right. So that, there's, a, there's a willingness which says, even though I'm fighting this hard, I, I'm willing yeah. um, to, to, to serve God as he calls me to. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, uh, following up from that, one of the things that um, this passage raises is the notion of, of going. Um, and, and now we say that at the end of lots of our church services, yep. go, go and yep. make disciples. Um, and uh, that's got people thinking about um, uh, leaving, going elsewhere. Someone's texted and said, look, I'm, I'm comfortable at St. Paul's. Um, and then they've asked a couple of questions. How, how do you know if it's time for you to go? Is there ever a time to leave the church you grew up in? And is being at one ch- church your whole life healthy? So let's try and tackle that up. Uh, okay, yeah. One by one. Not that you've done any thinking on this line. No, it's strange, that yeah. question, isn't it? That is exactly where I've been, you know. I mean, how do you know <laughs> how do you it's know time, time for you to go? go? How do you know if it's time for you? Uh, first thing I want to say, though, I don't think I've ever felt comfortable at St. Paul's. Yeah. Uh, St. Paul's has been a massive challenge for me uh, as a Christian minister, as a Christian disciple. Uh, it's... Uh, it's one of those situations where you've, you know, it's, we have so many opportunities to serve the Lord Jesus and reach people. So I've never felt comfortable. It's always been a great challenge and a stretch uh, being part of St. Paul's. Mm. And, um, you know, I I said something a bit tongue in cheek yesterday, but I I really do believe that. I think 
uh, you know, larger churches uh, need lots of people. And sometimes more people than smaller churches do because we're trying to do more. Mm. Uh, and, and we're trying to do more. We're doing things that other smaller churches can't do, like MTS programs, like the Chinese ministry, the Iranian ministry, region of death, uh, you know, training, all those type of things. And, and just scale requires more people. So I've never felt comfortable. Mm. So I don't think being part of St. Paul's means being in comfort. Mm. And, and I think comfort is more of an attitude rather than a, a location thing yeah. because... You can feel just as comfortable in, uh, at, a, at a small church and do nothing, yeah, yeah. Um, or you can have that sense of a big church doing nothing. But the issue there is not the nature of the church so much yeah. as the, the nature of the individual, perhaps. That's right. And I think that's the answer to, to the next question. How do you know it's, it's time for you to go? Mm. I, I, what I've had to think through with regards to this decision, and again, I, as I said before, uh, I wasn't looking to go, was given where I'm at in life, given the gifts God has given me, given the opportunities uh, on offer, how can I best use what I have to see the most number of disciples made, the greatest blessing uh, come to many people? Mm. How, do I, how am I faithful with what God's given me? That's, that's what you have to think about. You know, mm. It's not about, I'm feeling a bit comfortable, feeling a bit stale, I need to move elsewhere. I've got to be thinking, it's all, it's all about service. You know, every person has a gift for the uh, for the sake of the common good. Every single person is a blessing to their own church. Um, can I be a bigger blessing elsewhere? Mm. Is is the way I had mm. to think about. So, so following up with a couple of these other ones here, is is it is there ever a time to leave the church you grew up in? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, there could be. Mm. Um, there are there are different reasons people move church. Mm. Sometimes you. Uh, move church because of relationships. Sometimes you move church because of circumstances. I mean, there are the reasons that people move church, all sorts of reasons. But I mean, the best reason to move a church, I think, is for the sake of the kingdom. Mm. You know, yeah. if you can make a greater contribution for the kingdom yeah. elsewhere, yeah. then consider it. Yeah, yeah. So, what about the opposite? Is being at one church your whole life healthy? Well, can I push back on that question a little bit and saying, is being at one church your whole life? unhealthy I don't say not necessarily mm. you know it depends on the person depends of uh, depends on uh, it could be unhealthy if you know that you have gifts and opportunities to serve better elsewhere and you don't go mm. you know uh, it could be perfectly healthy if you're you're the person that church needs at that time to be serving mm. and it could be even perfectly healthy if that at this particular point in your life especially if you're young that you're still developing still being trained mm. still growing I mean, it'd be, it'd be a tragedy if you're worried about staying at a, a church too long and you leave too early mm, Yeah, that's before right. you get the training and encouragement you need to be most useful. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I've got a couple of thoughts if I can chime in at this yeah. point. Like, um, one thing that I love about St Paul's is that it has a history of, of people going. Mm. Um, I, sometimes they're big stories of someone going overseas with CMS and being a missionary. Yeah. Other times, most times, they're actually much less heralded and, yeah. and but if you go around the churches of Sydney and look who's leading the Sunday schools at most churches around yeah. and not just Sydney but all around Australia and other places um, they're often people who uh, spent time at St Paul's and were yeah. trained how to do kids and youth ministry and, and have yeah. a heartbeat of service um, and that's a great way to be a blessing to yeah. and we have been a blessing in, in that sense and I think it's just awesome yeah um, the funny thing just a personal thought is that for, for Soph and I when we um, trained in ministry and then went into to more college and um, we, we had a, a moment which I thought I felt quite scared about at the time when I, I we, we sort of prayed and said to God 
God, we'll go wherever you want us to go. Yeah. You, you show us yeah. where, where you want us in the world. We, we will trust you and go. And uh, God sent us back to our home church in Carlingford, yeah. you know, and yeah. uh, now living in, you know, the same street that I grew up in. You know, yeah. it's, yeah. It's, it's, I haven't landed far from home. Um, but there was a sense of willingness to go anywhere, but it was clear that the best place for us to serve was back in the church that I began a relationship with God in. And yeah. there's still more work to be done here. Yeah, it happens like that sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's right. But there, but that may change at some point. You know, at points you get another opportunity to go somewhere else, and you consider it, you weigh it up, and yeah. So again, that's why you know in my talk on Sunday it was really about the heart, wasn't it? Mm. I mean, how do we view those around us? Uh, are we? Are, do we really see that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few? And are we willing to be one of those workers? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and whether that's here or somewhere else, that's it, right. it's about the heart of. Yeah. I'm willing to be a worker and That's I'm willing right. to be part of this harvest. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, a uh, couple of questions that have come in, Gary, around signs and wonders. Yep. So this, this passage sort yep. of raises that yep. um, for us. Um, uh, you, you mentioned on Sunday that um, this this particular story seems to be pointing to, to something specific in, in sort of the order of events in salvation history, revealing yep. to us who Jesus is. but. Someone's made the point, look, signs and wonders keep going on after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Yes. Um, is there more to these signs uh, of power than just sort of establishing the death of, establishing the identity of yeah. Jesus and, and sort of being pre-cross in that sense? Now, thank you for that question. I, I realise I could have been a bit clearer on, on this one. Um, look, at, at this point in Matthew, in the context of Matthew, uh, these these signs, uh, you know, uh, that we see here, especially in verse eight, really do have to do with the kingdom coming near. These are all signs of the kingdom coming near and who Jesus is. You see that most clearly in chapter eleven. So I don't want to say too much because mm. then I've got nothing to say in a couple of weeks. That's so right. That's why I'm keeping my powder dry. But yeah. uh, they really identifies for Jesus. Now, is that to say that these things, none of these things, happen after the cross? Well, if you read the Bible, obviously they do happen after the cross because you see them in the Acts of the Apostles. Absolutely. Uh, um, so, you know, they, they do still happen, but at this particular point in the story of Matthew, that's what they were about. And what the disciples were doing was preparing the way uh, for Jesus, pointing to the fact that Jesus is the shepherd who has come for the sheep. He is mm-hmm. the fulfillment of the prophecy that the kingdom and the king were around the corner. Yeah, yeah. So, so if someone heard you last night saying, Oh no, they're, they're just for this particular moment. They're, they don't. You're not saying that. You're, no. But but Matthew seems to be framing them in, in such a way exactly. as to yeah. as the, their function in Matthew's gospel at this point is to establish the identity of Jesus yes. as that coming shepherd that was sort of yeah. promised. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the question uh, a few chapters ago was, who is this man? Mm. Well, here he is. Yeah, That's this, who he is. This is who he is. He's that promised shepherd of the Ezekiel right. thirty-four. He, yeah. Here he is. He's arrived. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Now. Uh, going back to signs and wonders, I mean, do they still happen today? Well, again, we've got to realise we have a big God mm. and God can do whatever he wants. So, mm. of course, they can still happen today. Do they still happen today? It's interesting that we do hear a lot of stories uh, uh, like this in uh, you know, cross-cultural ministry uh, with new communities who might not have had opportunities, traditional opportunities to hear about Jesus. So, in a way, for some of these communities, they are kind of still in the book of Acts mm. uh, as the gospel is going out to the ends of the earth. So we need to be open to God uh, doing things slightly differently with 
different communities. So mm. I'm not saying they don't happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, that's helpful. But but the way Matthew's framing it, there yeah. is, there's something to see here in yeah. terms of the way Matthew, yeah. Matthew's trying to get you to capture something here. So we've got to see yeah. what's happening here in the context of Matthew. Yeah. No, that's good. Okay. Um, now, someone's pushed a little bit further than yeah. that, um, and, and they've sort of followed up on this idea um, saying that, you know, um, prophecy and healing and exorcism, etc., um, are sort of normal things, um, and they've made a comment here, which maybe you can respond to, where they've said, um, you can't baptise the demon-possessed, you can't disciple the sick. Uh, making disciples means dealing with the whole person and not just preaching. Okay. That's right. Making disciples means dealing with the whole person, not just preaching. That is 100% correct. Uh, well, you know, you know, A disciple is a person, and a person has many different aspects to their life that need to be uh, come under the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you can't baptise the demon-possessed. You can't disciple the sick. I might want to... I assume what the person is trying to say there is that actually, you know, uh, again, there are... You've got, to, you've got to address the person's problems as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's right. If I could gently push back, though, and say, you can't disciple the sick, well, we do. Um, we disciple many sick people. Mm. Uh, people who have mental illness, like depression or anxiety. People who are suffering from cancer. Mm. And, uh, you know, we, 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 we love them. We walk alongside them. We encourage them in the you know, fruit of the Spirit. We point them to Jesus. We encourage trust in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we do actually disciple the sick. Do we pray for their healing? Of course sure. we do. Yeah. Uh, do we encourage them to seek medical attention? Yes, we do. We, we want them to get better, mm. but we do disciple them. Yeah. With regards to baptizing the demon-possessed, uh, do we wish anyone to be demon-possessed? Of course we don't. Mm. But can I say this, that the uh, best treatment for one of a better word of demon possession is actually the power of the gospel in terms of that as a person trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ they receive the Holy Spirit mm. and the Holy Spirit does not share anyone with demons uh, I, I saw this uh, when I went to mission to East Malaysia to a place called Sabah but the, the Karazan people, the indigenous people there uh, lived in great fear of ancestral spirits and demons and part of the challenge was to keep on telling them to trust Jesus because if you trust Jesus they have nothing to fear uh, from demons. You need to be aware, but you cannot be demons possessed and a Christian at the same time. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. We, we were talking about this with Jack last week on the yeah. podcast as well because the same theme oh, okay. um, came up last week and, and we, were, we were chatting this idea. Yeah, um, and Mark chapter 4, I think it is, where Jesus um, tells the parable of, of, of binding the strong man. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he, he, yeah the, once the spirit's in place, the, the, the demons can't come no. back. He, he's bound and in the house is possessed by the spirit. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so that's right. Um, but at the same time, we, we don't want to we, we don't want to necessarily agree with this line of therefore you can't disciple a sick person because actually um, sickness isn't isn't sort of something like a like a demon that you can be that yeah. can be cast out. Well, I, I think to be generous, I understand mm. what's been said here. That it's not just a it's not just an intellectual exercise. We need to mm. look at the whole person and where they're at. And I, yes. and I agree with that. Yes, okay. but I do also agree that uh, the call of Jesus impacts every every aspect of a person's life. Mm. Okay. Um, now, push along. Uh, verse yep. 11 in chapter 10, yep. um, uh, Jesus talks to his disciples and, and he speaks about their, their experiences. They go out in this work and they're going to, Jesus seems to suggest that they're going to find a worthy person um, as they enter various villages and houses. Um, who is worthy? <laughs> 
Um, and then he talks about uh, their peace resting on a house and all that kind of stuff. How do we think about this in, in the way that we're doing mission under the Great Commission? Yeah. Um, yeah. What does it mean to find a worthy person and to let yeah. our peace rest? Yeah, yeah. I think in this immediate context, the worthy person is the person who accepts the message and the messengers. And it's interesting, later on in chapter, uh, sorry, verse 40, uh, uh, it said, Jesus, anyone who welcomes you, welcomes me. Mm. And anyone who welcomes me, welcomes the one who sent me. Yes. Right? They, you know, the, the, the disciples are going out as ambassadors. So the worthy person accepts the ambassadors, and accepting the ambassadors, they accept the one who sent the ambassadors. Sure, yes. So, and as a result, when they accept the ambassadors, God's peace rests upon them. Mm. You know, they receive God's peace. They, they, you know, they, you know, they, they've repented. They've come in, come into the kingdom. I think that's the sense there. Mm. Okay. Um, and, and so, how does that translate for us in terms of us going out? Um, what, what, are, what are we looking for? Into what, what's a worthy person well, that we find? A worthy person is a person trusting Jesus as we go out. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, they're a disciple. Yeah, okay. Um, and, and, and for us, letting our peace rest upon them. Uh, there is a sense that, you know, the peace, it's, 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 it's the peace of God, isn't it? It's the peace of God that transcends all understands. The peace that, of God that comes from the gospel. As, mm. as we preach the message of the kingdom, people are reconciled to God through the message of Jesus and they have peace with him. Mm. Okay. That's what I think. Okay. Um, sounds great. Uh, all right, last couple of questions here. Yep. Uh, verse fifteen, surprising verse. The, the, yeah. the, the judgment that Jesus talks about here is a greater judgment than that of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. Why is rejecting the disciples and their message at this point? Why is that? Since Jesus is saying that's more significant than than what Sodom and Gomorrah did. I mean, you think about Sodom and Gomorrah, that, you know, sulfur and brimstone rained from the heavens and wiped them off the face of the planet. What, yeah. what could be worse than that? Yeah. Well, what can be worse than that is eternally being on the wrong side of God. So uh, what, what is happening here is that, remember, this is a mission from the 12 to the lost sheep of Israel, mm. proclaiming that their shepherd has come. Yes. So the, the disciples are going to God's people, telling them that God has come as the shepherd in Jesus, and their Messiah has come, and actually... By rejecting their Messiah, they have no hope. Mm. There's no salvation for them. They are eternally mm. enemies of God. So I don't think that's what it means by being worse. You don't, if you don't, if you, God's people, reject God's Savior, who He has promised for you, then yeah. what, what hope do you have? It's going to be terrible for you. Yeah. Which really puts into perspective, isn't it, that what, what we are doing in this mission, yeah. we're, 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 this, we're not just sort of playing games here. We're, we're talking here about real people and their real eternal yeah. um, destination with God and, and we've been entrusted with the gospel. Yeah. And that, that kind of brings us back to that heart thing we were talking about before yeah. in terms of yeah. this is the stuff you need to reflect upon yeah. um, as we're thinking about our willingness to, to go into the harvest. So that was specifically for Israel, but it actually comes to the world because Jesus is not only the savior for Israel, but the savior of the world. The savior of the whole world, that's yeah. right. And every person needs to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, all right, uh, well, the last question here. Um, uh, let me just read it as it is. Uh, yeah. We didn't seem to reach the end of the passage tonight, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> what, Sorry. What, is, what does it mean for us to shake the dust off your feet as a testament against a town that rejects Jesus? Yeah, okay. Uh, sorry about that, you know. I mean, no, I take it as a compliment. They want you to preach longer, Gary. That's what they're saying. They're longer. Saying, Hit me with longer. 40 and 50 minute sermons, is, is yeah, what I'm reading. Yeah, I don't have that much to say most weeks. Um, <laughs> Look, again, I think in the context of Matthew, the, um, 
Uh, Jesus, Jesus again. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching next week's sermon right now. I mean, uh, the, uh, what does Jesus say? He says that you know you won't get through the whole of Israel before you see the Son of Man comes. Uh, that's in verse 23. There's a, there, there is a program. There is a time that is happening here where the, the disciples are supposed to go out throughout Israel mm -hmm. uh, to prepare them for the coming of their Lord. And, and I guess part of that, they're not to linger too long in the one town if they reject the message. So there's a sense that if they reject a message, move on. Mm. There is that sense there. Now, is that the same for us? Well, there's a yes and no in that, isn't there? I mean, uh, there's a no in terms of the fact that we shouldn't just glibly give up on people who reject the gospel. Mm. We all know that uh, often for people it takes multiple times for them to hear about Jesus before yep. they even start being interested or let alone accept him. Yeah. Having said that, there are times where We've, we've preached the gospel to somebody many, many times. Uh, they've kept on rejecting it. Then there's another person that we could spend time with. And out of wisdom and out of uh, trust that God is sovereign in salvation, we might actually be wiser to move on to that other person. Mm. So we're not on the same timeline that the disciples no. were on to, no. to, to do a sort of exercise of mission in a, yeah. in a set amount of time. Yeah. But at the same time, so, so, so we do, we can persevere with people, yeah. but we use our wisdom. Is that what yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah, sometimes it, it is right to say, look, I've tried, I've done what I can under God. Yeah. I think I'd be better off pouring my energies into a, into a different gospel preaching opportunity. I've told this story before, but I might as well tell it again, you know. I mean, I, 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 I've evangelised my father in lots of different ways, brought him to church, he came to church for a year, didn't really become a Christian. Um, and kind of at that point, I just prayed for him. Uh, it was at a family dinner. My, my uh, Pearl invited his partner to come to an Easy English Women's Bible Study. Uh, even though they were living in the eastern suburbs, she said yes and asked if my father would come along. So uh, my father heard the gospel in an Easy English Women's Bible Study, and that was his first steps towards being a Christian. It had mm -hmm. nothing to do with me. Sure. So sometimes yeah. you just got to trust God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, thanks, Gary. That, that's it for questions um, out of. Um, last Sunday, but we just want to quickly look ahead this coming Sunday. What's going to help us to be well prepped and ready to go for church on Sunday? Where do we well, need he, to have he, our head? Here is something weird for you, okay? So Jesus has compassion on the crowds because he's harassed and helpless because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And then in verse 16, he sends his sheep out among the wolves. Mm. What's going on there? Mm. <laughs> what's, what's that about? So we're, we're really looking at uh, what it's going to be like for us as sheep out there on the mission field. Okay. All right, well, looking forward to it. Um, so, yeah, you want to read um, the next chunk of Matthew's Gospel, rest yeah. of chapter 10? Uh, verse 16 to verse 42. To 42, yeah, that takes us to the end of the chapter. Yep. So, uh, yeah, excellent. Um, get get that in into your um, yeah mind between now and Sunday and uh, come ready to go, fully full of questions, ready to go for, for next week. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Gary, thank you for your work uh, amongst us. Thanks for preaching. Thanks for helping us through these questions. Uh, we're thrilled for you um, as you uh, yeah take these uh, this next step in terms of becoming a bishop and uh, yeah um, but we got you for a little while longer so absolutely uh, we'll, we'll have you back on the extras next week and we'll uh, we'll tackle some more questions with you then thanks all thanks Sam all right see you at church on Sunday bye bye.